How many knows that God can do anything? Anything. He doesn't have to explain it to us. He doesn't have to draw it out for us. He just needs us to trust him. That's the hard part. It's amazing how spiritual we are after God does it. Anybody can dance after the miracle. But it takes trust to dance before the miracle. Amen. I'm thankful tonight that we serve a God that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Amen. Turn with me in the word of the Lord to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 18. And we're going to read verses 6 through 8. 2 Samuel 18 verses 6 through 8. Just by way of reminder, we begin revival on February 27th. So not this Sunday. It was supposed to start this Sunday. We had to bump it back a week. But Brother Dale Welch, you will be blessed by his ministry. Uh, right now, we're just doing regular service nights. So try to invite someone to the house of the Lord. We look forward to a great time in revival. Amen. The Bible says, so the people went out into the field against Israel. And the battle was in the wood of Ephraim, where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David. And there was there a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country. And the wood, or woods, speaking of terrain, devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. The woods devoured more people that day than the sword. I want to preach for a little while. The war in the woods. The war in the woods. Lift your hands to heaven. I feel unction of the Holy Ghost tonight. God's going to help somebody in this place. Let's ask the Lord to minister. Father, we need the touch of your spirit. Without that anointing, God, it's just, it's just hollow words. But when that spirit joins with that word, God, it can bring life into our soul. Open our hearts and help us to understand what you want us to understand. We'll give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord bless you as you're seated. The war in the woods. We understand tonight that living for God is not something that is confined to a church building. There's more to this thing than just five songs and a sermon. But walking with God is something that reaches outside of a building. It touches communities. It touches jobs. It touches family. And the more you see of him, the more you want to see of him and the more you should become like him. It's a walk. It's not a sprint. It's more of like a cross-country marathon. It takes time to get there. 
And we understand and know that in our quest to be pleasing the Lord, there is an enemy of our soul. I spoke of it Sunday night, the adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The greatest lie the enemy will ever try to tell you is that he'll leave you alone. That's not the case. As long as you're trying to live for God, the enemy will never leave you alone. All of hell rages against the kingdom of God. For the enemy knows, but his time is short, and he'll do everything that he can to trip people up. There's no time today for us to think that we can coast through this thing. You can't coast in living for God. You ever get to the place where you're comfortable? Then something has to happen where you stir up your heart and you provoke yourself to move and follow after a greater consecration in God. We need to gird up our minds with an understanding that we do have an adversary. And the lack of awareness on people's part is alarming. Listen to me, church. This is not just simply religion. This is not tradition. This is not spiritual repetition. But what we are in is a battle. It's a war. And it takes tenacity. And it takes courage. And it takes consistency. If we're going to be who God called us to be, then we've got to make up our minds that every day we're going to fight the good fight of faith. We're not going to give up ground. But we're going to move in obedience to the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout amen. It wouldn't be considered a war if there were no casualties. People falling away. Those who don't make the entire journey. You and I tonight could think of people throughout our lives that once sat on these church pews, once worshipped uh, under the banner of Wallace Ridge Pentecostal Church and, and other churches that you know of, but for, for some reason or another, they're not here. They're not living for God. However, we cannot give all the credit to the enemy. Although he does catch many people in his grip, he's not solely responsible for all that fall during the battle. A unique spiritual parallel is drawn between 2 Samuel 18 and 8 and the New Testament church. The setting of our text is that David's men were at war with Absalom's and they were battling in the woods of Ephraim. And the Bible says about 20,000 men were slain. 20,000 men of Israel were slain, but watch this. Verse number 8 says the woods devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. Watch this. What they were having to walk through took them out. What they were having to go through every day overwhelmed them and it overtook them. Y'all didn't know I come to preach on a Wednesday night, huh? On that day, the woods were responsible for more people falling than the enemy was. 
The woods devoured more people than the sword did. What they were walking through did more damage than their adversary. The war was not with their adversary, but they were in a war in the woods. What they were going through on a day-to-day battle overtook them. I stand today to declare whether the enemy claims an individual or the woods claims the individual, the result is the same. They did not make it through the battle. And the goal for the believer is to make it through to the other side. And we know we're supposed to guard ourselves against that adversary, against that old slew foot. But you hear me today. We've got to guard ourselves against what we're walking through on a day-to-day basis. Because you're in a war in the woods. There are times when what we are walking through, if we're not careful, it will overtake us. It will overwhelm us. It becomes the battlefield. The things that we walk through on our journey. Listen to me. You cannot control the woods that you walk through. You cannot control when sickness shows up. You cannot control financial turmoil. You do not choose the woods that you have to walk through. You may be walking through relational problems, health challenges, financial difficulties, work-related issues, family turmoil. You don't choose it. You just have to keep walking. Listen to me. I want to preach on three different ways that you're at war with the woods and the woods are going to try to overtake you. The woods will try to make you disoriented. Do you ever try to navigate your, your, your path through woods that you've never been in before? No trail markers anywhere. Just woods. It's easy to become disoriented. I've been with people walking through the woods. Now listen to me. I wasn't raised in the woods. Y'all raised in the woods. I mean, I went to the woods, but I wasn't raised in the woods. It was like an event when we went to the woods. Yeah, we get to ride the four-wheeler. That's all I care about. And I've been with people and get disoriented and they go, we've crossed this tree already. Huh? It all looks like trees. How do you know we've passed this tree already? I'm just wandering through the woods. Just happy to be here. But you know, if somebody drops you off in a a section of woods you've never been in before, and you don't know your way around, it's easy to let the woods get you disoriented. And if you're not careful... When what you have to walk through on a day-to-day basis, it'll try to get you disoriented. Cause you to lose your way. Start relying upon what you can do and what you can navigate. And listen to me, there's things in life that you'll have to face that you have never faced before. And it doesn't matter how sister so-and-so handled it or brother so-and-so did it. 
It's not their life. It's your life. Everybody can fix your problems. They just can't fix theirs. It's like kids. They tell you how to raise yours, but they didn't do a good job of raising theirs. That's why you cannot rely upon your own understanding. This is why scripture says, trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding because you will get disoriented if you try to figure it out your way. The reason so many people get disoriented and distracted is because they're trying to understand why they have to walk through what they are walking through. Listen, the old saying is, every new level requires a new devil. Anybody ever heard that? Every major point of transition in my life were the most uncomfortable seasons I ever had to live through. I'm telling you, none of them were alike. But times when you're fixing to grow to another level, Seasons of transition. They are not comfortable. And people throw in the towel just before things are starting to get better. Because they get disoriented. They get confused. The children of Israel were leaving Egyptian bondage. And Moses led them to the edge of the woods. But God knew if I let man try to lead them, it isn't going to be good. So I gotta have a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I've gotta let them know that there's a spirit that will lead them through the woods. There's a spirit that can help them navigate places that they have never been before. When you are walking through places that you've never been, the greatest trials of your life, don't let people lead you. You keep your eyes on the Spirit of God. Because let me tell you, seasons will change. Woods will change. Life will change. But this book doesn't change. God said, I'm going to give you a constant. I'm going to give you something that will carry you through every season of life. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. When confusion tries to overtake you, you need to remember that God is not the author of confusion. There's times I never got a clear word from God on some things, but I didn't have peace in my spirit. Just kind of right here, I just kind of had an uneasiness in my spirit. And I've learned that when I, when I violate that, I'll always regret it. God gives you that peace to guide you and to lead you. When David was going through one of his trials, he said in Psalm 88, 15, I am afflicted and ready to die from my youth up. While I suffer thy terrors, I am distracted. It's easy to let the woods win because the flesh can become distracted. God, why am I having to face this? God, why am I the one going through this? Distracted, disoriented. It's then that you need to remember that God knows right where you're at. 
Don't you think Job felt disoriented when his whole world was being shaken and he said, I can't find God if I knew where God was. I'd go to his seat and I'd, I'd plead my cause and my case before him. But he finally got to the point where he said, I may not know where God is, but you better believe God knows where I'm at. And when God is done with me, I'm going to be better than when I started. Watch this. The, the, the second way the wolves are going to try to overtake you is they're going to try to get you disconnected. I can somehow see these men walking through the woods, warriors on each side. Hey, 20,000 men, that's a lot of people. I don't know how big the woods were, but that's a lot of people. We know that there is strength in numbers. Yet due to time and terrain, I can see those warriors begin to separate as their links were weakened until they met their demise because they got disconnected from each other. I'm concerned about people when they become isolated during the most trying times. Listen, I'm over COVID. I'm over pandemic. I know it's still real, but hey, life goes on. Okay, we've learned that. But you know what it did? It did its best to try to disconnect the body. And we thought, oh, two weeks. We, two weeks. Listen, I'll lose my mind in two days being disconnected from people, much less two weeks. I'm not an introvert. I got to see somebody. I got to be around people. And time went on. And people got comfortable in isolation. They got comfortable being disconnected from the body. But listen, this is why scripture says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another or encouraging one another. And so much the more. In other words, you need to get together more often and be more encouraging when. Aren't you glad you're in church tonight? I got to get my composure. This is really loud right now, Brother Jeremy. It said you need to be more encouraging and more in the house of the Lord as ye see the day approaching. Can't you see the day approaching? Hey, if we believe this 50 years ago, we're 50 years closer to the coming of the Lord. We need to, we need to be in the house of the Lord more often. Y'all agree with that? Clap your hands on the Lord. Good, I'll see y'all at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. I'm joking. <laughs> that was a good setup, though. We need the strength of the body. We need the fellowship of the body. There's a reason God put the disciples two by two when he sent them out. It's because he understood if I send them by themselves, 
then they're going to be overtaken by what they're walking through. But if I send them with somebody that can strengthen them. See, your connection with the church is directly related to your connection with God. We can't see God. He's not tangible in that you can go put your hands on Him. But your connection to the church is symbolic of your connection to God. I worry about people that don't want to go to church. I do. I'm not talking about just this church. I'm talking at large. Because it's a reflection of their connection to God. Listen, I'm thankful that we can offer live stream. I'm, I'm thankful for technology. But you don't want to know what it's for? It's for if you're sick. It provides an opportunity that you can still be a part. But if you're well, you can be in the house of the Lord. Well, that's revelatory, huh? I'm thankful. We're not going to shut it down. We, we still offer it. We offer podcasts and CDs. We, we try to give several alternatives for people. But listen, they're alternatives. They're not replacements. They're options to help people in case for some reason they can't be in the house of the Lord. But if I made up my mind, I want to get to church every chance that I get. You know, Jesus told Peter when he foresaw what was going to happen, he said, Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren because you're going to experience the restoration power of Christ. You're going to experience his mercy and then I'm going to use you to encourage other people that are struggling. That's what we do. We encourage other people that are struggling. Listen, it ought not be, it ought not be that we offer condemnation to people. We offer encouragement to people. I got to stick to my nose because I feel my soapbox coming. The third way that the woods are going to try to win is that they'll try to discourage you. If you don't get distracted, if you don't get disconnected, you still have to guard yourself against discouragement. There's a lot of discouraged people that go to church. Because here's what happens. We come to church. Throughout the week, we're walking through the muck and the mire and the woods and everything that we've got to live in. Bombarded by just life. And then we come on Sunday and we start going to the prayer room. We start letting God strengthen us and help us. And we, we get back. By the time we leave service, we feel so good and refreshed in our spirit. And then we've got to go back to the woods. And there's that discouragement that wants to set in because our spouse is still not changing and, and our finances haven't turned around and our sickness is still there because the woods are still the woods. And we get discouraged. 
We've all had to walk through woods of weariness, situations that were contrary to our pleasure. But understand that God's main focus is preparing you for what lies ahead. And this is not necessarily done by what you hear, but also by what you face. Because what you face today will prepare you for what you face next year. And the next year. The reason you're facing today what you're facing today and you didn't face it a year ago is because you weren't ready last year. You weren't ready five years ago. But God says, I'll do a little bit here and a little bit there. You don't see a kindergartner going from kindergarten to 12th grade. And there's times kids think they're not learning anything at school. I did. How many's heard this? Why do I need this? Look, I can't figure out why they made me memorize the periodic table in chemistry. It has been of zero assistance in my life, other than on a game I played that I got a question right, okay? And you think, why do I need this? And why do I need that? And I loved math, and it burns my it burns me up when I go and somebody can't check cannot count change back to me. I've already counted the change before I gave you the money. I'm just weird like that. And then you got some that you got to tell them how much to give you back. I want to go, do I need to do your job too? And I didn't realize math was preparing me for life. I didn't realize that science was preparing me for life. And there's things you're going through today that you don't know why you're going through them. But rest assured that it's going to come in handy somewhere down the road or else God wouldn't let you be going through it. God doesn't do anything by accident. But he is preparing you. You cannot get discouraged. Hey, the lessons that stick the most hurt the most. A sick bed often teaches more than a sermon. Affliction teaches us to know ourselves. In prosperity, we are for the most part strangers to ourselves. God makes us know affliction that we may better know ourselves. Prosperity, you don't find out who you are in prosperity. You don't find out how close you are to God in prosperity. You want to find out who you are and how close to God you are? Let God start taking things away from you. Let affliction come into your body. Let all the woods start piling in around you, and then you find out where you are in God. People have walked away from God by the scores, not because the enemy won, but because the war, the woods they got discouraged. They felt like they were abandoned. They couldn't take the pressure. Hear me, discouragement is nothing more than your flesh trying to hinder your spirit. It's therefore when you're in those moments you have to do the opposite of what you feel. David, when he was walking through trial after trial, he did the opposite of what he felt like doing. And he said, delight thyself also in the Lord. When you don't feel delighted, it's then that you gotta provoke yourself and you've got to delight yourself in the Lord. Hey, 
And there's times I didn't have anybody to encourage me. And I had to lay hands on myself and pray for my mind and pray for the encouragement of the spirit. Hey, you need to make up in your mind, I will make it through this thing. Stand with me right now. When Moses was listening to the bickering of Israel, no doubts, discouragement set in. God, I did what you wanted me to do. I brought, I went to Pharaoh all these times, and now I'm leading Israel out, don't know where we're going. And now we're at this water, and we've got nowhere to go. Anybody ever felt like you had nowhere to go? Discouraged. God, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm praying. I'm reading my Bible. I'm believing. I'm going to church. I'm giving. I'm doing everything. I've checked them all off the list, God. And I'm still at this point where I got nowhere to go. And I'm getting discouraged, God. I'm talking to somebody here tonight. I'm getting discouraged, God. What did God say to do? God said, Moses, hold up that staff. You got to think about this. To some people, that's just a shepherd's staff. But God didn't tell him to hold it up because it was a shepherd's staff. Oh, this is a Sunday night point. I'm using it on a Wednesday night, okay? You got to look at what that staff represented in Moses' life. Because the last time God mentioned staff, he said, throw down that staff, and it became a snake. And he said, pick it up. And it turned back into a staff. And what God was trying to tell Moses is, Moses, when it looks like you have nowhere to go and you're getting discouraged and the enemy's on your heels, you got to hold on to the last miracle that you had in your life while I work out the next miracle. Hey, friend, when you don't know what's going on, you need to think of the goodness of Jesus. And you need to hold on to those last miracles that God performed while he starts working out the rest. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. They sang it earlier. I want them to sing it for altar call. That song says, I am not alone. The Lord is my shepherd. Listen, the Lord is my shepherd. If man was my shepherd, I would be wanting. But because the Lord is my shepherd, I won't want. I shall not want. Look at Paul. If anyone had to walk through some stuff, Paul had to walk through some stuff. Let's look at his transcript. Of the Jews five times, received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeyings often in perils of waters. In perils by my own countrymen. In perils by the heathen. In perils in the city. In perils in the wilderness. In perils in the sea. In perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness. In watchings often. In hunger and thirst. In fasting often. In cold and nakedness. Now you want to talk about some woods. Look what Paul had to walk through. He walked through some stuff more than we will probably ever have to walk through. 
Yet this is what he said. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm not going to dwell on everything I had to walk through. Because what I walked through is what made me who I am. You ask people, if you had to change anything in your life, what would it be if you had to change one thing? And people will start thinking, listen to me. I wouldn't change a thing. Not even my mess-ups. Because everything that I've walked through has made me who I am today. Because the first thing that we think of is we want to change all of my mistakes. We want to change all the bad stuff in our life. But listen, that bad stuff did more for you than the good stuff ever did. Because the bad stuff put you on your knees. The bad stuff made you more like Christ. It was the bad stuff that brought Jesus to a cross. And because he went to a cross, we can be here today. So let's not talk about getting rid of the bad stuff. Let's thank God for using those things to make us more like him. He said, I'm going to forget everything I went through. And I'm going to reach forth into what is before me. Because there's a prize. He said, I ain't dead yet. I've got my eyes set on a prize. It's the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Don't get distracted, church. Don't get disoriented. Don't get disconnected. And don't get discouraged. You're in a war, and you're not warring with an enemy that's been defeated. You're in a war in the woods. And don't let what you're walking through take you out. Because while you're walking, there's somebody right there with you. You may not see him, but he's there. You may not always feel him, but he's there. He's there. I want to invite you to this altar tonight. It doesn't matter what you're facing. You may be on a mountain right now, but listen, there's woods coming, and I want you to come down here, and I want you to lift your hands toward heaven and ask God to strengthen your spirit tonight as they begin to sing. I want you to let God speak a word of strength into your heart. You're going to win. You're going to come through this thing. You're going to make it through the other side. The enemy's not going to take you out. And the woods is not going to overtake you, but the God of heaven is going to walk with you through this thing. Yeah.